I am Joseph, your recovered alcoholic joke teller. Hello. Hey. All right. Um, here's a great joke for everyone that I pulled from the internet. There's my secret, guys. Not from the dome. I'm a man. I work an honest program. No, I'm just Okay. I tried to. All right. A man walks into a bar with a piece of asphalt under his arm and says, A beer, please. One for me and one for the road. <laughs> hey, thank you. Thank you, Joey. You're a, you're a real hit, let me tell you. <laughs> Thanks for, well, first, I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Mark. <laughs> Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation. Please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that are not being used for streaming purposes or that may make noise or distract others. Take this time to get connected to God, let the craziness of the day drift away, and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. If everybody's ready, we're going to start the meditation.
Okay, we're going to lead the prayer with, or we're going to lead the meeting with the fog light prayer. If you don't know it, please repeat after me. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked a friend from the fellowship to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one. So it's kind of important to know what one is. So here's my friend from the fellowship. Recovered alcoholic Mike Chase. Uh, spiritual experience. The term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it's true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover from, they must require an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among a rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, though frequent, are by no, no means the rule. Our most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer wear the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes he's undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life. I'll say that again. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life. That such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think the awareness of this power greater than ourselves is, a spiritual, is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religion members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find, it no, we find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is barred against all information, which is proof against all arguments, which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer, Alcoholics Anonymous, page 567, 568. Thank you very much to our ancestors. Thank you. So during this meeting, in step series, please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a normally a tech-free meeting, but if you're streaming the meeting, that's fine. Um, so set your phones to airplay meeting mode if you're here or if you're Zooming. 
or just turn them off. So next I'm going to introduce our speaker. He is, uh, his name is Keith. He's on his ninth session. He's the 10th, right? Eighth. He's on his eighth session. Correction. Um, he's, been, he's been on a roll so far. He's moving right along. He's been working a solid program since 2003. He has he lives the steps, he works the steps, he helps others, and he's going to come up and tell you all about it once again. So I'll give you Keith. Good evening, everyone. My name is Keith, and I am an alcoholic. And um, I love coming to this meeting. I don't like speaking, but I love coming to this meeting because um, given the days I've had at work, it's just coming here, being around like-minded people and my people. You guys are very welcoming, and uh, I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, so tonight we're on our eighth session. I'm going to be talking about a little bit of nine, a little bit of ten. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy, crazy... Uh, I'd say since this pandemic started, you know, this is my first meeting that I've been to when I started this series. It's the first actual meeting I've been to since this pandemic started because I had gotten sick before the pandemic and I don't usually get sick and I got like violently ill like two times in three weeks. So I tried to uh, disassociate myself and um, I'm lucky to be in an industry we're considered essential. I don't know how that's possible. We're in the pool business, but um, <laughs> we're blessed to be open and, um, you know, I come across a lot of personalities every day, day in and day out, and so I get to practice this program. And uh, let's just say I don't do it perfectly all the time. And so um, Monday, I had uh, I was talking to Mike about this outside the meeting. You know, I you know prayed up and everything, and I left five minutes from work. So when I get to work, I'm good. You know, everything is good. And I ran into one of these customers at the counter, and they just were just, you know, they got to me. So I go into my office, and I'm just sitting there. I close my door and I'm just, uh, you know, meditating and trying to get back to my serenity to go back out there and do it with the rest of these people. And I'm just sitting there fuming, man, like, come on, seriously. And if it would have been, you know, not at work or something, it might have been a different outcome. I probably went at that guy a little differently. But I'm sitting there and then all of a sudden I get this message on uh, Facebook Messenger. And it was a guy, I guess, who had um, went on to the podcast or the, the Facebook website and saw this meeting and he uh he messaged me and he talked about how he uh listened to last week's meeting and that um you know it touched him like he was going to talk to his sponsor about something that happened with him and it just it brought it back into perspective for me it brought me back from seeing red you know what i mean and how big is the pool business and <laughs> you know what i mean like this is my this is my purpose today, right? And so I always say it. If I can touch one person, then God has used me well. So tonight we're on, uh, like I said, I'm going to talk about 9 and 10. But, you know, I didn't really start living until 2003. And uh, this whole process is a way of life. Like, it solves all my problems. And um, when I came in here back when, in 2003, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what what was was required of me but God saw fit to put me with some gentlemen that were um forever angels of my life and uh you know I'll be forever grateful for Joe and John but 
they taught me how to live. Like everything I speak about up here, I was taught to me, right? There's no, nothing original. Um, I uh, came in, I surrendered on July 15th of 2003. That was a hard surrender. Um, again, I'm a man, I'm a Marine. I don't think I have a problem. I just think that circumstances and uh, you guys are out to get me, so to speak, like the victim conversation. And uh, I get with Joe and John, and they tell me that's not the case. You know what I mean? And they, they didn't beat around the bush. They didn't tell me they're there. It's going to be all right. Let's get to work. And, um, you know, again, I don't want to sit up and make it seem like I dove right into the program because I didn't. You know, I'm just like anybody else. I'm, I'm hard-headed. I'm hardwired. And I just wanted to get off the streets. You know what I mean? I just wanted to have a place to lay my head to figure things out, right? This, this thinking that put me in the spot that I'm in, I'm thinking that's going to get me out of the situation. And Joe and John told me in the, uh, no certain words, it's, uh, it's what you know that's killing you, Keith. Because I came in and said, I know what I need to do, right? That was my mantra. I know what I need to do. If I do this, I know what I need to do. And they point blank told me that it's what you know that's killing you. It's what you don't know that's going to save your life. And I'm like, these guys are talking like Confucius. What are you talking about, right? So, you know, I get with them and um, they uh, get me this book. I read this doctor's opinion. I find out what my problem is. You know, again, crystal clear. Once I read that information, it's it's hard to deny it. You know, it's to my own self be true. Does that live for me? It did. I had evidence, 20 years of evidence that says that's me, right? I don't know how Bill knew me, but he did. And uh, so I got step one. I got this powerlessness. And again, that's a very hard pill to swallow. You know, that's that to say something has you licked, especially drugs and alcohol, it's a tough deal. You know what I mean? But th- that was me. And then in the second step, it's, you know, coming to believe in this power that can restore me to sanity. And again, if you've been with us for the last seven weeks, you know that when I came in, I didn't believe in God. I wasn't an atheist, but I didn't believe that he could do what they were telling me, right? Because I got my experiences. I got my, uh, my opinions about God. I got my opinions about religion. But this is not a religious program. It's spiritual. And I, when you told me that, I conflated the two. Religion and spirituality is the same thing. It was the same thing for me. So... I wasn't buying step two, but I was dying when I got here. Like, I wanted to kill myself. Too much of a coward, but I tell you I'm not a coward. I'm not afraid of anything, but I'm afraid of everything when I get here. And, um, but I just didn't want to feel like I was feeling it, right? So I just complied, and I, with the dog in the back of the car, like, yes, shaking his head. That was me with Joe and John. And uh, during this time, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still lazy. I don't have a job. Mom's paying my rent. Uh... I'm just a taker, you know, I'm thinking that the nature of the exercise at this place is as long as he's getting his money and getting his rent paid, I can still do life as I was doing it. And that was not the case. Joe was going to step in that. He was going to step into that conversation I was having up here. He was going to make sure that, you know, either get in, get on shit or get out the pot, so to speak. And uh, that was it, right? So we get to make this decision. And the 10th step is a validation in a in a the promise of the third step coming true. Then me making that decision, right? Me making that decision and saying, you know what? I suck at running my life. I'm going to have a new employer. And uh, I just told you I didn't believe in God. So I did it a little bit simpler. I turned my will and my life over to care of John and Joe. That was the mustard seed I need. That's just for me. I know I get the book says there's no human solution, but those two were my conduit to God. So in the beginning, I turned it over to those guys. And basically... You know, tell me what to do. And even though I said that, I still fought them. I still bucked and, 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 and wanted to do what I wanted to do. But, um, you know, so I'm at this place for uh, about four months, and I'm, I'm still not all the way in. You know what I mean? I'm still 
thinking I could game Joe and not knowing that he's seen, seen it all when it comes to the, the halfway in drug and alcohol game. He knows he's heard every story. He's heard every alibi, but I don't think he knows that. I, I think I can get over him because he's from Florida. I'm from New York. We can get over on Floridians. You know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> I had another thing coming. Um, again, not beer. I'll, it's water. <laughs> So I make this decision This is I'm going to seek this power. And what's the next exercise? It's the four-step inventory. And I'd never looked at myself in the way that this four-step inventory wants me to look at myself, right? I never cataloged my resentments, my fears, my harms, and sexual harms. I never took stock and trade in, in who you got when I showed up on the scene. It was always a performance. It was always an act. <coughs> Excuse me. And I was talking to my sister about this. Where I'm from, I grew up in the city of Rochester, but I got bussed out to the suburbs. So... To me, that was the best of both worlds because I was able to learn about other ethnic groups and other things, and I still go, went back to where I grew up at. So I, I had the best of both worlds. So I could adapt to any situation, you know what I mean? So I could be with the hip-hop crowd. I could be with the rock and roll crowd. I could be whatever I needed to be to get what I needed, right? And so the four-step inventory was the first exercise in that. And, uh, again, it wasn't scary and, and thank God I wasn't contaminated with being in Alcoholics Anonymous before, being in treatment. So I didn't know what to expect, so I didn't have to worry about making up what the four-step inventory was about. You know what I mean? So um, as I did this four-step inventory, you know, it was eye-opening. You know, I wasn't a monster. I wasn't like a terrible person, but it, it made a lot of sense why my life sucked when I got here, right, given how I lived, right? I didn't know I was such a selfish person. I didn't know I was such a taker, right? Because if you ask me, yeah, I'd do anything for you. But there was a motive behind me saying that, right? I was going to need my get back when I, when I needed you. It wasn't just out of the kindness of my heart. But as I saw this thing and listed, listed these things, I was like, man, of course my life is screwed up how, I'm li- how I've been living. You know, I'm 35 years old. I'm the oldest child in our family. And um, again, I didn't set out to become an alcoholic and joy addict. I didn't set out to become homeless at 35. I didn't set out to not see my family for years. You know, that wasn't the plan. But I, uh, in my selfishness, I thought that I wasn't hurt anybody but myself. So I dipped, right? Out of sight, out of mind. And again, I don't know what I'm doing to these people emotionally, right? And again, that bears out in eight and nine. But so that was my lot in life. And uh, I'm down here in Florida, they don't know where I'm at, you know what I mean? And um, as I do this four-step inventory, I'm starting to buy into the program a little bit. I'm at the halfway house six, four or five months. I haven't had a drink, but there's guys going out around me. You know, Joe had certain things that I had to do. One of the requirements was not get involved in a relationship. And again, you know, he said, what do you want to sacrifice for this, this thing called recovery? What do you want to sacrifice for this this new life that you're after, right? Because there's got to have to be a price to be paid. And, I, and I'd always live my life, and I got this from Joe, dialed into the radio frequency, WSFN, wanting something for nothing, right? I always wanted the gift without the work. And uh, so that was, um, I did that. You know, I gave up women for 13 months or whatever it was. I also, you know, got a job. Imagine that, <laughs> 35 years old. And it wasn't one of these things where the attitude was, well, that job's not for me because that's not what I want to do or I'm waiting for the right job. No, Joe wasn't having that. 
All right, it's time to have some skin in the game. So as you heard a couple weeks ago, first job was labor pool, right? Humility, right? It's not about the, I'm not here to get a career when I first come in. Like a lot of guys make that mistake. We're here to get the career. Like the book is clear in the fourth step. When we straighten out spiritually, then we straighten out the other stuff, right? So, you know, I'm in. I, I feel a little bit of hope. I haven't had a drink or a drug in four or five months. I'm seeing guys fly by the wayside left and right of me and stuff. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in, but I'm not in, right? One foot in, one foot out, you know? Maybe there's something to this guy thing. So the fourth step done, not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? It's not that, it's not a life story. It's not that uh, scary. It is the vital for the rest of the work. You know what I mean? And um, as, I, as I do this four-step inventory, I get with my sponsor in the presence of God and uh, him. We do this fifth step where I take the trash out, right? And as I said before, if I'm out to seek this God, you know, because I, I, I worship a lot of little G's before I got here. I worship the money. I worship the cars. I worship girls. I worship status. I worshiped whatever made me look good and feel good to you is what I worshiped, right? And uh, so in this fist up, we find out what made Keys tick. Like, we found out why I did the things I did. And I told you before, I didn't tell this man. I told him there was one thing I didn't tell him. And thank God I didn't go out over that thing. But uh, we took the trash out, right? I get done with the fist up. Sit down for an hour, go back over the first five proposals. Is my mortar sentence in? Is it solid so far? It is, but it isn't because I got that one thing. Again, I got, I got hope now, right? I haven't had a drink or a drug. I'm, I'm like, okay, there's something to this, right? Because I came in and, and my thought was, and man, I would have shortchanged myself. My thought was, I just want my old life back. I said that to Joe and he laughed at me. I said, I want my old life back. And he said, why would you want that crap back, right? Because you're shorting yourself. Like, this is so much bigger, right? And I'm like, okay, Joe, <laughs> whatever you say. And uh, so the fifth step is done, right? The first five steps are done. I'm in. I'm in recovery. But guess what? Nothing's changed. I'm still that same person, right? This book tells me that I'm going to be able to live a new life, right? I'm going to be able to get a new life. So... For the next couple months, I'm working on six and seven. I'm working on these character defects that I uncovered, right? I come in, I'm very lazy when I got here. I'm a procrastinator. Still procrastinating a little bit to this day, but I was a big procrastinator back then. Um, and I got up in the morning and I, and I worked on these character defects we uncovered because he made it clear to me that I'm going to go out and I'm going to make these amends to these people, right? My relationships, my relations to other people were very broken, and so it's very important that when I go out to make these men, they get somebody completely different. And we talked about it last week. You know, I, I did damage to my family that I didn't know I did, but I did, you know, and emotionally I wrecked these people. And uh, I was able to take care of those things. But I had to have good co- uh, coaching on that, right? I couldn't go back and, 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 and say I'm sorry like I always did. You know, we had a game plan for making these amends, and uh, he put me on the path, right? So as I said last week, I'm at the place 10 months in. It's time to go make these amends, right? And uh, he did that. I did that. Got back on the plane. Went home, took care of all those amends, right? I'm at the halfway house for another three years. And, and during this time, I'm, I'm incorporating this new design for living, so to speak, right? It's a new design for living. And it uh, doesn't mean I'm running white as snow because I'm in recovery. And it doesn't mean that... You know, things aren't going to happen. Life's not going to happen. It does. And it did. 
right? So I'm in this uh, this place, and uh, you know, I'm just going along, and I'm watching guys go out left and right, left and right. And during this time, I come in as a client with Joe, and me and him are forming this bond through. And again, I don't know what he saw in me. I don't know why we bond the way we did, but we're like brothers now. But uh, again, that's God's plan for me. I didn't know that. I told you guys a couple weeks ago, God was the ultimate chess player. And so I come into AA, I have no purpose, right? I have no purpose. My life is purposeless. And little do I know that God is putting it on Joe's heart to have me come into um, business with him. But I don't know that at the time. So, you know, I took care of those, um, the family amends, you know, talked about it last week, me and my brother, read you guys a letter he wrote to Joe. And, uh, you know, before that, before recovery, that would letter would not have happened, right? To him, I was dead. And I got the honor and opportunity to become, be the best man at his wedding, right? And I didn't talk about that last week. But I, that's what this program does. It repairs and reconstructs relationships, right? Me and my dad today, it, it's, it's amazing the relationship we had today. And again, that wasn't going to happen given how I was living my life, right? So those, those amends are done. I come back to Florida. Now I'm, I'm all in in AA, right? I'm, I'm all in, right? I, I believe that, uh, well, I'm not going to say that. I believe God is keeping me sober, but I don't believe, I might give him all the credit for it, right? And so the, Joe talks about the recuperative powers of the ego. He sees me starting to slip back. He sees me starting to take credit for this thing that I have, right? By this time, I get a better job. By this time, I got a little money saved, and uh, I'm sponsoring guys. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, but I'm still not all the way in with the God thing, right? I still, I'm still doing this, right? I'm speaking at meetings, and I'm, you know, I'm character assassinating speakers, and I'm going off on newcomers who are who, who just chronic relapses and stuff. And he sees this stuff, right? And um, again, thank God for him. Thank God for him not settling and, and and selling out on me. Thank God for him taking a stand for me. And uh, so we go along, and we're doing this deal. And um, about four years in, he comes to me, and and he puts it in point blank that uh, it's time to step up the God thing, right? But he didn't say it like that. He just wants me to go to Calvary with him, the biggest church in South Florida. And I'm like, absolutely not. Out of all the churches you want me to go to, you want me to go to Calvary. Like, let's start a little small, right? But uh, he wants to take me to this church. And, you know, for a week I fought him. And then on that seventh day I went. And lo and behold, as I go to this church, it's not anything that I was used to. Like, the pastor wasn't speaking down to us. He wasn't speaking at us. He was teaching and I was, like, getting it. Like, he wasn't speaking our fathers and our dolls. He was, Pastor Bob was from Vegas, you know what I mean? Like, Sin City. So, you know, he would incorporate his story into the Bible, and, and it, was, it was awesome, right? So I went with Joe that Sunday, and we've been going ever since before the coronavirus. That's how we would start our Sundays, every morning at uh, Calvary. So, you know, God now is getting the credit for it, right? So four through nine is done, right? And so I've done the work. Recovery has taken place. But I still have this warrant for my arrest. And I, nobody knows that. And I go take care of that. And, uh, you know, I talked about it last week. I'm not going to beat that horse into the ground. But if you're out there and you have a warrant, you know what I mean? Trust the process. God didn't bring you this far to drop you, right? So I, I, I do that. And I'm coming back to, uh, I get out of jail and I come back to Florida. And my plan now is I got money saved. It's time for me to go spread my wings, right? Go live life because, you know, we're not a glum lot. I didn't get sober to be miserable. 
But God had other plans. And um, Jordan came to me and asked what I'd like to become. John Williams was retiring, wanted to go back to Tallahassee, and would I want to become partners with him in this thing called Solutions? And um, my first response was absolutely not, right? Could I see... I see the abuse he takes, not like physical or whatever, but like the, the emotional abuse and stuff and, and, and uh, the letdowns of seeing, trying to help people and them just spitting in your face figuratively, not literally, but figuratively. And then I just didn't want to do it. But again, my inner circle, my people around me told me, I, you know, I sought counsel on this thing and uh, they all told me the same thing. Like, dude, look what they've done. Look what this place has done for you. Why would you not want to do that for somebody else? And I was like, okay, I'm in with you, Joe. Right. So now that's been my lot in life for the last. I was a client for the first four years, last 13 years. Now me and him are partners in this thing. And that's our that's our. Our mission, so to speak. Right. We don't do it for fanfare. We don't do it for, you know, recognition. We don't advertise. We're not in the phone book. We're not in the yellow pages. We're not on the. You know what I mean? If you come to us, it's by word of mouth. Like it was God's plan for you to be with us, so to speak. So. Enough of that. So last week, I didn't even read the, the nice step promises, right? So recovery's taking place. You know how these guys get up here and they say, I'm a recovered alcoholic. I'm recovered. When I get done with nine, I'm a recovered alcoholic. We're going to talk about those promises in a minute. And I said this a couple, when I first started the series, like when I was new, I would go to a meeting, an open, disgusting meeting, and, uh, <laughs> you know, they would, people would share and, oh, man. The promises are coming true. I'm 10 days sober, and the promises are coming true. Um, haven't had a drink in eight days. And, and again, I didn't know at the time that that's, you know, not the promises they're talking about. Life gets better when you don't drink and drug. It just does, right? But these promises, as I've been going through this step series, I've told you there's third-step promises, there's four-step promises, there's fifth-step promises, but the ninth step promises, which is read at a lot of meetings in the beginning, right? And I thought about it last week when I left. I'm like, damn, I didn't even read the ninth step promises. So this is on page six, uh, 83, the bottom of the page. This is after I've done my amends, right? This is after. So just imagine you come in about if you're diligent, four or five months in, you're making your amends. And that's what they're talking about. They're not talking about coming in abstinent and raising your hand at a meeting and saying, oh, life is good because I'm not drinking. No, it says this. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, which phase? These are men's phase, the ninth step phase. We'll be amazed before we're halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. Now, I don't know about you, but I told you a couple weeks ago, when I first got here, we do an exercise in our Monday night meeting where we look back at our last 72 hours out there. Right? There was no freedom. There was no happiness. Like, I wanted to kill myself. I was in a hotel room in Pompano Beach, wanting to die. Right? I come in here, I do some work, and this happens. We will not regret the past, nor with the shit the door on it. Right? So I don't regret anything that happened in the past for me. Like, you know, there's people out there who don't want you to know they're in AA or um, are morbid about reflecting on their past. Not me. Like, I'll scream from the rooftops. I'm in recovery. My boss knows I'm in recovery. My employees know I'm in recovery. My customers know I'm in recovery. I'll shout it for Why would I be ashamed of something that saved my life, that's given me a new life, right? It says, we will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. Again, I don't know about you, but that was foreign to me, serenity and peace when I got here. Not at all. 
It says, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others, right? And again, that story I told you in the beginning about the guy, you know, my experience can benefit that guy, right? As your experience can benefit me. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. Hmm. Now, you remember the bedevilments on page 52, right? When I got here, I'm a walking bedevilment. I do some work. All that disappears. Man, why would you not want that, right? If you're out there struggling and, and, and you think there's no way out, why would you not want that, right? It can't be bought. Some work must be done. A price has to be paid. But this is possible. When I heard that when I was new, I was like, man, that, that was foreign to me. But I don't know. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Right? I was a taker when I got here. Now I'm interested in, in helping you and seeing what I can contribute to life. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Right now, again, by this time, me and God are tight, right? I told you I didn't believe when I got here. That belief came to me. Like, it's, 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 I know now, right, I have this undeniable relationship with the God of my own understanding. Like, he is commenced to do things for me that I never thought was possible. And I'm not talking about financial. I'm not talking about material. I'm talking about within. And I say all that, right? And I sit up here and I'm speaking to you, but guess what? I'm still a broken man. Even though I did this work, I'm still a broken man. And uh, real quick, so Facebook is not a very serene place to go, especially nowadays, right? Very divisive, very, uh, you know, whatever. And I try not to post stuff or whatever. And uh, I posted something Friday, not political, you know what I mean? And um, some people came on and, we had an adult conversation about it, right? They had a point of view. I had a point of view, which was fine. So then I had uh, this customer, one of my customers, <laughs> gets on my page, right? Not invited. Just gets on my page and starts going, going there. Very vulgar, very, like, racist. And it set off something inside of me, right? So... He said some things. I came back at him with some things. He said something else. I said something else. And it was like 2002 Keith, not 2003 Keith, right? <laughs> no spirituality. And uh, as I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm heated, right? There's no God. There's no praying. There's no pausing. Like, I want to I, I kill this dude. So I said something to him after a couple of my comments. I said, well, you know where I work at? You want to get something off your chest, come see me, right? <laughs> Ego, right? Ego, um, pride, all the, the character defects that I just talked about and me saying, oh, they're gone, that happened last Friday, 17 years sober. And so I'm sitting there for like 10 minutes. I got other friends on Facebook coming to my rescue like I need it, and I'm like, oh, it's all good. He's a keyboard warrior and all this stuff, right? But I'm inside, I'm, I'm fuming, right? So I sit there for like another 30 minutes and I pause for a minute. And, and as I'm sitting there, the thought came to me. That's not who I want to be. 
that's not who I am. So I went on and I deleted his comments and my comments. Left everything else up there, up there, but I deleted those comments. So I got a phone call from my brother-in-law. I guess my sister saw that and, and said, give him a call because that's not him. Even she knew that that's not me today, right? And, and I tell that story to say, listen, just because I'm 17 years sober, I can still get angry. And, and, but who pays the price for that, right? For that next half an hour, I had an emotional hangover from this guy that I hardly ever see, but I let him get to me that way, right? He didn't do that to me. I did that to me, right? So I had to take it to God, and I had to pray about it. I couldn't pray for him. I'm not going to lie and tell you I did the four-step prayer for him. I wanted him dead. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> I'm not a saint. I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to do dead, bad, bad stuff to that guy. But, yeah, this is a work in progress, man. So then it says this. Are these extravagant promises? The book says we think not, but I think they're very extravagant promises. If I do this work and that, that can happen to me, huge promises. We think so. They're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, spiritual experience, white light, what Mike and Bill had. Sometimes slowly, spiritual awakening. Over time, I've had lots of spiritual awakenings over these last 17 years, right? They always materialize if I wish for them. No, it doesn't say that. It says if I work for them, right? Work, 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 work. I'm still working on these things. I'm still doing the same thing I did before, but even harder now. I told you a couple weeks ago, the more sober I am, the more narrow the road gets. So then this says, this brought us to step 10. This thought brought us to step 10, excuse me, which suggests continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So now I got the design for living, right? I took the trash out back in four, but this is a way of me not putting the trash back in. You heard people, I've heard people over the years say, you know, they've done multiple four steps. And I, one time I said something in a meeting from the Wednesday night study group up on the, in the chair when I was facilitating and I said something like, you don't have to do more than one four step because the 10 step does the rest for something, I said. And uh, one of my good friends, Teresa, came to me and said, that's not true, right? So however you do it, as long as you're inventorying, right? I've only done one four step. I probably need to do another four step. But who knows what God has in store for that? It says, we vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit, Right? Now listen to this. Did all that work? Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for a lifetime, right? So that story I just told you, I, I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. People are going to piss me off. I'm going to piss people off. But who pays the price for that? I do, right? So this is a way for me not to, to put that stuff in the garbage can because emotional hangovers suck. They are horrible. Right to me, they're worse than the actual drunk and drug hanging over. Because at least with that hangover, I can just start drinking again. That hangover's gone. But this stuff, I gotta live with sober. Ugh. It says, continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Where do I do that at? Step four. When these crop up, we ask God to remove them at once. Where do I do that at? Six and seven. It says we discuss them with somebody immediately. Right. So in my four step, I did that with my sponsor. But now as I'm sober, I got guys like you. I got people. I discuss anything. 
that I have with anybody, that's step five. And we make amends quickly if you harm anyone. Step nine. So basically step 10 for me is four through nine all the time, right? I don't put that stuff back in. I clean up right then and there. Keep the channel clear between me and this guy to my own understanding, right? Said it before, God does not dwell in a cesspool. So I can't put the trash back in. Says so, either we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help of thy power, thy love, and the other tolerance of other and others in our code. Now listen to this. So we talked about the third step promises, we talked about the four step promises, we talked about the fifth step promises. I just read you the nine step promises, all huge promises. To me, this is amazing. This next promise. Given how I drink and drug, <laughs> given how I couldn't stop when I started, given how multiple DUIs, right? Given how I told you I didn't go home for 10 months because I was scared because the layover for me was a place to get drunk, right? That's not a recovered alcoholic. That's somebody with an alcoholic mind still, right? I do this work, and here's listen to this promise. And we cease fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. For by this time, sanity will have returned, right? That word sanity. Again, when I first got here in the second step, they're talking about insanity, I thought they were talking about the stuff I did after I drank or drugged. No. They're talking about that obsession of the mind, that insane thinking, that thought that comes into my head that says, you know what, Keith, it'll be different this time. Nobody will know. You can do just one. You can have a six-pack for you recreational crack smokers. You can do just 120, right? No. Sanity will have returned. I will be seldom interested in liquor. If tempted, I recoil from it as a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we find that this has happened automatically, right? I don't know when that came in. I don't know when the power came into me where I can just go and be around anything, right, and not worry about picking it up, right? In my recovery, I've been to, I've been to Tool concerts. I've been to the Marley Fest. I've been to Dave Matthews. Offered all kinds of stuff. No, I'm good, right? That wasn't going to happen before I got sober. And when I first went home, my mom... <laughs> When I went to go make those amends, she used to drink Bacardi, big bottle of Bacardi, right? So back when I was living with her, I would steal her Bacardi, put water in it to let her know it wasn't stolen, but she knew because it, it was all watered down and stuff, right? <laughs> so when I first got home, my mom says to me, um, you know, I'm going to pour this out, and I'm, not gonna, and I'm like, Mom, stop. I said, if I'm going to drink, there's nothing you can do to stop me from drinking. You're going to pour out all the bottles of liquor in Rochester? I said, no, I'm good. I'm doesn't, doesn't, doesn't have a problem. I don't have a problem anymore with alcohol. And she's blown away by that, right? I said, I'm a recovered alcoholic now, right? They don't get that, but she understands now. It says, we will find that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That's the miracle of it. We are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation, right? I'm not avoiding going to Publix and going down the beer aisle. I'm not turning Super Bowl commercials when beer comes on. None of that craziness. We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. God has me safe and protected, right? I'm not tempted at all. We've not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed, right? Now listen to this. I'm going to always be an alcoholic. I'm going to always have the allergy to the body till the day I die, right? If I leave here tonight and go celebrate that this series is almost over and I go have a Shrimp cocktail with a glass of wine, I'm definitely going to die because I'm allergic to shrimp, but I'm going to relapse too. But no, I'm recovered, meaning my mind is recovered. I remember what that stuff did to me rather than what it did for me. 
right? That's a recovered alcoholic. I'm going to always have the allergy of the body, right? But I'm not tempted by alcohol or drugs. Why would you not want that freedom? It does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid, right? Why would I be cocky about this precious gift that God given me? I didn't do anything. God did that, right? So how can I be cocky about that? Cocky about him, but I'm not cocky about me being not tempted by alcohol and drugs. He says, that's our experience. That's how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. There's that caveat, right? As long as I keep in fit spiritual condition. Now, people like to say, this is the maintenance step. No, this ain't the maintenance step. I'm not maintaining anything. I'm enhancing this. Now, listen to this. And I believe this is why people go out. It's easy to let up on our spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels, right? I can't stay sober on yesterday's sobriety, right? You know, I got sober 17 years. All I have is today. What am I doing today to maintain this thing? We're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will be done. Again, if you're new, right? I've been given this gift. I don't take credit for it, you know? I, um... I sit amazed at this thing. Like, I'm sitting up here talking about God on a Thursday night with a bunch of you guys online, and uh, I would have never thought that possible, right? Um, the cool thing about this program and this step is I get to recommit at any time. Like, when I fall short or if I'm at work and I, and I fall spiritually or I want to kill somebody, I get to pause. I get to go back out in the back, say a prayer, and get right spiritually again and get back on that horse, Right? That wasn't going to happen if I wasn't sober. I'm talking to the newcomer. Like, I, obviously I'm talking to everybody here, but I, I'm, I'm praying that there's somebody out there who has been going through the motions, has been going in and out and, and, and saying AA doesn't work, and they're hearing something like, you're hearing a message of hope, you're hearing a message from my heart, and I'm letting you know that if I can get sober, if this alcoholic can get sober, anybody can get sober. And um, again, I don't like to sit up here and just talk to kill time. I think uh, that's it. So thank you very much. Keith, uh, can we all thank Keith one more time, please? Okay, so now I am going to bring up our hit secretary, so come on up here, please. Hello, everyone. I'm the hit record, or record, recovered alcoholic secretary. <laughs> Speaking's a thing, huh? All right, so in keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions... The baskets are now going around. Uh, the baskets are going around. Uh, for everyone at home, you have the opportunity to um, go on AA.org, and um, General Service is receiving contributions because of the COVID times, 
they are um, digging out of their prudent reserves so they could definitely use um, our contributions and yeah please go give to the program that is so freely given to us uh, thank you thank you Mike Chase um, at this time I've asked a friend named Ryan to read the recovered statement um, uh, Keith spoke on recovered uh, what that means 10 set promises and to go more specifically into detail why we say it why Keith says it um, Ryan's going to explain that. Thank you. Hey, I'm Ryan. I'm an alcoholic. Recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will re remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in the body. We are now saying where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Thank you, Ryan. 1940-style big book sponsorship from the forward to the second edition Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to A, <clears throat> who came to A and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up, sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75-plus percent success rate, which is a, which is a great success rate. All right. <laughs> what is it, like nine now or something? Uh, anyway. That's why we go with God. All right. Sorry, guys. All right. Now I'm going to ask a show of hands of everyone in the room, recovered alcoholics and those in Zoom, please raise your hand to show them that it works. Now I'm going to ask for um, those who need a sponsor. Please put your hands up in Zoom, Facebook Live, um, and anyone, all you recovered alcoholics, please reach out to them, show them some love, and see if you can help bring them to God. Um. All right, we have this meeting, and we also have a meeting Monday night's Big Book study meeting where the Big Book comes alive. It's a great time. Um, Mike Chase, Old Bill, Chris is doing a great job with the traditions, and I don't know if there's going to be Doc, but Doc's great if he's there. Um, <laughs> fellowship is at 630. Um, Big Book study starts at 715. Fellowship in the Zoom room. Come on in. Say hello to each other. Um, yeah, we look forward to seeing you there. Uh, we have CDs, mugs, large print, big books, little red books, and big books dictionaries for sale on your local intergroup websites. Please go get them to improve your sponsorship and get, help get closer with God. Um, they could also, of course, use the contributions, as I said earlier. Again, we meet every Thursday here. Starting promptly at 715, we ask you to be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the recovery bells. Thank you all. See you next week. Again, keeping us so up to date. Um, again, we have tonight's speaker and all other Step Series speaker from Keith's talk and from other talks on podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night big book study. If anyone wants to thank our speaker.
do it on Zoom or do it on Facebook. Text him while he's working. I don't know. Maybe we'll get him out of himself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> text him at work. So, if everyone's satisfied, we're going to close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, born in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Just about to smile. 
God bless. I love you, Mike Chase. Bye.
Yeah.